gotta get myself over to time.is. Hey now, hey now, my clock's ahead. Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. This is definitely our first take, and I'm Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor, and I definitely finally said my name right. And this is our podcast all about us doing what we can do to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. Alex. Colin. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Busy, or at least I have been. I I totally feel you. you I understand you've been busy, too, because you are actually suffering through finals and finishing a film and a million other things. (laughs) Yes. And also, here's another interesting uh, note for you. This is the Mm -hmm. last episode of 2017. Yeah. This is our our last episode of the Candle Nights, Christmas, Hanukkah, Winter Holidays, uh, Kwanzaa, uh, Winter Solstice, and um, what's the other one? Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll remember later, of course. It's going to be an hour after we finish recording. I'm going to go, of course. oh, it was Boxing oh, Day. I mean, it wasn't Boxing Day, but you know. Anyway, yeah. so, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, happy holidays to you, my friend. Let's talk about Same what we've you. been doing recently. You said right. that you've been busy? Yes. So, um, being a, I don't want to say, well, being a millennial, but being a person <laughs> just out of college and still trying to find, you know, what I want to do for the rest of my life that sounds kind of a weird way to put it i'm working multiple jobs and as we're getting towards the end of the semester those multiple jobs are kind of all piling into hey you have no free time like um one of my jobs is i do i work um it's a contingent position so kind of like as needed basis but i do live sound and stage managing for a university for like a lot of student events um and then i also teach through a music store or what else i also just started substitute teaching actually have a funny story about that and it's just been very busy but it's nice because it's cultivating different experiences getting different skills and just you know doing a lot of different things as opposed to just being stuck doing one thing so i hear you what's the funny story from uh substituting so i've only had one substitute uh teaching experience i've taught a couple of group classes before through like music stuff but like my I've only only had one like actual substitute teaching experience. So what what had happened was I had my set of classes and then I was on break. And this other sub he needed a sub for himself for reasons or whatever. So I was kind of last man that dropped into a class. It was a reading class, and we're getting through the assignment, getting through the questions. And I see a kid isn't really working on stuff, so I walk up to his desk, say, "Hey, you doing okay? What? Do you... So what's your answer to this question?" He says, "You know what." I wasn't really thinking about it. I was actually thinking about this. And then he proceeded to talk to me about what he was thinking about for like the next five minutes. And I, you know, I try, you you know, when like someone's talking a lot and you try and like get away from them and you try and like slowly move away or like whatever. He was like, he just didn't get the hint. And sadly, I know too many people like that. Yeah. Like me. And what he ended up thinking about was Terraria. (laughs) <laughs> and how he could make a certain kind of boot in Terraria in real life to make him climb up walls. And it's like, you know, that's cool. And I appreciate that. Well, and I can understand why this happened, because being being a kid and then not f- having a lot of people you can talk to about what you're passionate about, you find the person that is in, into what you're into. And then you just kind of like tunnel vision them. And that's right. the only thing you want to talk about. And you don't want, don't want them to leave because you don't have anybody else to talk to about it with. But it's like... Right. Dude, I'm not going to join your Terraria team. That's not how this relationship works. <laughs> but also, that is like the worst phrase I've ever heard. Terraria team. I've, I'm kind of paraphrasing there, but like it wasn't much better than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry to hear about your experience there, man. So, how about you? <laughs> uh so you've nailed it right on the head. Um. Usually we record stuff uh basically one episode ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um and it's a good thing that we've done that because this end of the semester season has left us literally no time in which we could have recorded an episode <laughs> before today, which is after all of my finals have ended. Um 
with the exception of the take-home quiz that I'm going to be, or take-home final that I'll be doing after we get off this call. Um, So, you know, my semester's been, uh, as we say in show business, buck wild. Um, So uh, to kind of just give like the the bullet points here, um, I worked on two separate film projects um, of my Mm. own. One of them was for digital editing, uh, which is basically every student in the class gets the same footage of like different takes and angles and everything like that and they have a lined script which is like a script and then they have lines that go through it that tell you what shot is going to be used during that and they'll use you know you can have multiple lines go through through a different um spoken line right because you know you want to have different angles of that person you want to get someone else's reaction to what they're saying stuff like that so you have to go through that script and you have to piece together the film uh, the problem was mm-hmm. is that the people who did this film were not exactly organized. So there were a lot oh. of shots that were like, this one thing was labeled as scene five because mm-hmm. they shot it um, during the same time that they were doing stuff that was considered scene five, but really it was stuff from scene three. So it was very, oh. very, you know, you're clicking around, you're going, and even if you organize all your footage, you were still like going through hell trying to find certain shots. Some shots didn't even exist that they said like, oh, we go with this shot. They just never give you that footage. So it's like, you have to be oh. creative sometimes. Yeah. Um, but in the end, though, like, obviously, like, I get why that's the footage that we're using, because it's also like, you you pay a lot of money to get footage like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a 10-minute long film, and it took a long time to edit. Um, and then on the flip side of that, in the last episode, we talked about how I was on uh, four, sorry, three other people's movies, as well as my own. So yeah. I worked on four like original films this semester alone. Um, and, uh, I worked on basically three of the four classmates that I have, um, in script to screen. Um, the other guy is just, he makes it very difficult to work with him. And so none of us worked with him. Um, but, uh, I mean, again, like that's, you know, you reap what you sow, you know, he was, I mean, like for instance, like he was, he made sexist remarks to my classmates and I was like, I'm not going to work with you. Like, if that's yeah. how you treat people, you know. Seriously, that's, um, wow. But I, I had a blast working on those other films. Um, Good. You know, and then we presented them just uh, yesterday, actually. And um, I still have to edit mine some more. Like, there's still some refining to do. Mm-hmm. Um, my professor told me that I shouldn't publish it just yet, like on YouTube or anything, because he thinks it should go through a film festival circuit. Nice. Um, that's how good he thought it was, which is good to hear. That's awesome. Um, but it also is like weird because like I told people I'll post it soon and then I might have to wait. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about those film projects was mm-hmm. that um, I really enjoyed watching all of them come together. Uh, but there was one of them that was uh, directed and written by my friend Molly in that class. And the professor was like, man, some of these shots are incredible. And then she was like, well, you know, that's yeah. all due to my cameraman. And that was me. So that nice. made me feel pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of you, man. Thank you. I I feel very accomplished. Like this is my first semester where I feel like I literally like was like a part of something. Yeah. Um. Or uh, that sounds bad. I mean, I definitely have felt like I'm a part of something before, but like this was like an actual like group of friends doing something. You know, like we all were re- uh, working on each other's films and helping each other out, and you know, it wasn't like a okay, well, you go do your thing, and then you know, because that's what has happened on previous film stuff. I had to shoot stuff all on my own on my last project, so. Yeah, you know, it was just it was a very good experience, and it was a really really fun time. And I'm going to miss those kids because I'm never going to be in another class with them uh, no. at this point. So um, that's kind of a bummer, but you know, made some good connections there, and it was a lot Definitely. of fun. Well, and it's always good to create or to have a sense of community. Like in the in very few of the college experiences that I've had, like there wasn't there. I don't want to say it was like rarely ever. I felt like there was a sense of community, but like towards like the latter end of my college career like it's kind of well it felt like there wasn't much of like a unifying force apart from like all the shit we were going through i i agree um i mean i definitely had the same problem as you uh when i actually went to the same school as you at one Mm -hmm. point yeah um and then you know i left that school to go to howard community college where you and i both met um and like that's one of the few connections that i made there that like i actually have ever felt was worthwhile like i I haven't stayed in contact with like anyone else from from that school. Um but this was also like, you know, when I first came down here, like I've made some friends while yeah. I've been here, 
But my whole thing was like, I'm here at like this age, I'm 26 years old, even like I'm way older than all the other kids. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, we're not going to have that much in common. I was like, my whole thing isn't here to make friends. Like I would like to make connections, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to like get work done, like Definitely. get it done right. You know what I mean? Um, But I, I have felt very fortunate that this time around, like even though I've made friends in the past, like this semester, like I've actually been able to. Uh, walk out of things and I was telling Meg all these stories about things that we were doing just this last weekend, you know, like mm -hmm. while we were editing and, you know, helping this person figure this out and then they helped yeah. me figure this out and, you know, and she was like, man, it's good to hear that you've like actually like gone out there and made friends. Look at you, you know? And I was like, yeah. oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, now that we've done that, um, and talked about our past experiences in college, Mm -hmm. Um, we usually talk about the past experiences of people who have made it onto the Forbes 30 under 30s list. Um, and I think that, that was a pretty good transition, if I do say so myself. Well, wait to pat um, yourself on the back. Jeez. Yeah, I know, for real. Man. But here's the good thing. Uh oh, my computer just went to sleep. Um, uh oh. So here's the thing, though. Uh, we don't want to blow through the different people that we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to try something a little bit different today. Um, we recently put out the uh, some feelers to you know friends and family uh, on all sorts of social media uh, and have asked people to kind of give us questions related to topics that we've uh, discussed on the show. Um, and so we have some user submitted questions that we're going to be answering today, yeah. um, as well as talking about uh, marketing plans, um, because Marketing plans is actually kind of how this whole show got started, mm -hmm. um, but we'll come to that later. So, uh, Alex, why don't you hit us with that first question? So our first question comes from Will Green, and they say, so imagine everything in quotation marks. I don't want to, like, change, like, the pronouns mm -hmm. or whatever, because then it'd sound weird. So it may sound quite niche, but I've always had a fascination with people who ghostwrite songs for successful musicians without taking the spotlight themselves. I wrote a play based on the idea of without doing a single bit of research whatsoever. So I'd really be interested in finding out more about the realities of work of musicians who live in the shadows. Not sure how useful that is. So with, in my research, I found a bit, uh, well, so this could go in two different branches. We have ghostwriting and then with collaborative writing. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll let's start with ghostwriting. So, a ghostwriter is a writer who is a ghost. Way to take the low-hanging fruit, Alex. Um, a ghostwriter <laughs> is a writer who is paid to write for someone else under that person's name. Um, it's right. usually associated with publishing, but is also found in other fields such as public relations, corporate communications, and, well, music. So some things that ghostwriters are typically involved with are books. So, you know, you see like a politician has like an autobiography. They'll usually have some kind of ghostwriter because they're too busy to write the books themselves um right. for speeches because you know like presidents members of congress and ceos also them being busy and also maybe not being wordsmiths will turn to people who or actually wordsmiths um also for social media and social and digital media content so if you see something it's like this account is curated by this team or whatever you know they probably have a ghostwriter for themselves um right the relationship between a ghostwriter and their client is usually very collaborative, especially if you're going to have someone working for you that represents you and is trying to find the best way to express your vision, right? So then some things that they'll do will be like do a lot of extensive recorded interviews to get the essence of who you are, especially if they're, if it's going to be writing, then they want to get like how you say things, your style, your personality, all that good kind of stuff. Um, with how ghostwriters are attributed, sometimes they don't get any attribution, especially if it's a speech. Sometimes they'll be asked mm. to sign non-disclosure agreements because they can't reveal anything. Um, but some right. are actually um, either thanked in a book or even if if they're high important. Well, I don't want to say important enough, but you know they'll say like this book was written by this person as well as this person or co-written with this person. So yeah. Um. Ghostwriters can be pretty expensive. It really depends on the project. So it, how big the writer is, what kind of stuff they've written, like what their background is, um, how complicated the subject can be, and as, as well as what the content is. Like if it's a full book, then you could person might be getting between twenty and two hundred thousand dollars. So it can be a lot. Um, right. So where do you find a ghostwriter? So okay, a, a lot of organizations as well as like public figures and stuff will usually go through like a literary agent or pr firm to find 
the person they need. But mm-hmm. for the common folk, the internet is a great place. So some popular resources include Media Bistro, Freelancer, and Craigslist. And oh, all of that was found by uh, was found an article on thebalance.com, I want to make sure I'm attributing, uh, by Valerie Peterson. So now going more into the music side of things. So I found this question especially interesting. So I was listening – so actually just yesterday I was listening to a radio station called WTMD. So it's actually mm-hmm. part of the university that Colin and I were involved with. And they have a program called the – the Bal- is it – no, the Baltimore Hit Parade. That's it. And right. they're interviewing um, a guy named by the name of Dan Book. So he was a former Towson student. He actually dropped out in his third year, and he's been making his name for himself as a songwriter and vocal producer. So I guess for a bit of his background, he's worked with the likes of Hot Shell Ray with her song, I Like It Like That, also with Shania, Tra- Shania Twain and Demi Lovato. And I found it interesting for a couple of reasons. So I'd mentioned he dropped out of Towson initially. Um, they broke up in 2009. He actually went back to school to become a surgeon. But along the huh. side, he was writing songs. And then I, I, I don't remember the thread of how he got from that to working for like doing vocal producing and stuff. But then he eventually ended up co-writing and ghostwriting for a lot of major artists and also doing vocal producing. So now I also find it interesting as someone who is struggling with the idea of what else I can do to make a living in music and mm-hmm. where performance has become kind of secondary to other ways I'm trying to make a living, especially because, well, with a common perception of making how people make a living with music is through performance. But there are so many other ways, like with teaching, like with working on the tech side of things, and and also with songwriting. And it's nice to see that someone who, has, who tried to pursue that in, initial primary aspect and where maybe that didn't work out then found another way into the field and is using those experiences through that initial um, effort to now kind right. of serve what they're doing now. Um, it's very interesting, though, because, like, ghostwriting is a thing where, in some situations, right, mm-hmm. it is, like, perfectly acceptable or yeah. perfectly, um, uh, like, standard, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, like, what you were saying is, like, speeches, uh, especially, like, political speeches, you yeah. know, are always, they always have a writing staff. They just never tell you, like, who wrote it. So you know that there's a ghostwriter, but, like, everyone knows it, and it's just kind of, like, accepted. Yeah. But, like, with things like, you know, like, the rapper hip-hop world, that's, like, a major, like, you know, kind of almost conspiracy thing. Like, I don't remember, sorry, I don't know if you remember, um, like, the whole Drake and Meek Mill's, yes. like, beef. Yes, I was going to mention that, that happened. Yeah. yeah, like, that was, um... That was all about, you know, oh, well, you know, you're going to have your ghostwriter do this, you know, like, you know, and uh, I also was initially going to make a joke about um, Nicolas Cage being a ghostwriter, writer, writer, but uh, that Mm -hmm. also felt like low hanging fruit. So I'll let that one slide. Good job. So, well, on the topic of Meek Mill and Drake, so I want to give you a quick list of other people who have had their songs written by ghostwriters and who the ghostwriters were. So. The Queen, Beyonce, some of her songwriters have included Frank Ocean, Sia, and Justin Timberlake. So for the songs mm-hmm. Irreplaceable and Pretty Hurts, I don't know if the, those three were for all both of those songs or, you know, it varied. Um, Britney Spears. Right. So two of her songwriters have included uh, Dan Book, the guy that I mentioned. Actually, two of the, right. the songs that he worked on actually ended up not being released. Um, and then Kesha actually ghostwrote a song for Britney, including Till the World Ends. Now, Yeah, um... I was going to say, there was something about um, the, the Sia one, though. I was going to say, Sia and Lady Gaga both started off as ghostwriters, and then they yeah. later on jumped into the limelight through their own stuff. But, like, I always, I've always thought that, that was kind of a, a, a cool, like, kind of get your toe in the door kind of thing. Definitely. I always thought that was Like, cool. people see what you can do, and then you... They know you can write, you write your own stuff, and if you can sing, you can perform, then you can right. also pursue down that avenue. Um, exactly. Two others that I found interesting. So, Dr. Dre, so on his 19, 1999 release, I forget the name of the album, but it has the song Still DRE. Jay-Z actually wrote that. Really? Yeah. Huh. But he was That's writing it in the style of Dr. Dre. Apparently, Dr. Dre had a lot of trouble like coming up with stuff, and they brought in Jay-Z. Um, last one for you. So, the Beastie Boys, on their um, album License to Ill... Run DMC wrote the song, well, wrote the lyrics to Paul Revere. I don't remember exactly how it goes. I, I had the album, but like I haven't listened listened to it in a minute. But it's apparently it's like one of the more funnier tracks on the record. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, hmm, okay. But, and I'll so, have to go back and listen to that now that I know that. Oh yeah. Well, and going to back to what you'd said about 
um, Drake and Meek Mills. Like if so, with ghostwriting, like it's pervasive throughout the, the industry. But I, I, I don't know enough about the subject to say like, oh, well, this is how it is. But with the little bit that I had read, so I found an article on Vice, and it seemed like the biggest issue was authenticity. And if you can't write your own stuff, then why are you you even trying? But then they interviewed a few people and one person had said like the difference between like pop and rap is that with pop, it's like more of a jingle. So there's no authenticity. Whereas with rap, it's like, it's you. So you need to be authentic. I mean, I'm, I'm poorly paraphrasing it, but no, no, I totally get what you're saying though. And I mean, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like, you know, as far as any music genre goes, mm-hmm. that makes the most sense as to why that would be a thing. You know what I mean? Because there's a th- that whole genre is all about authenticity and about basically owning up to your own words. Yeah. You know, because that is one of the most. Um, I mean, in, in the most natural sense, uh, I, I would say, with the exception of a few artists and genres you know where for instance where someone can just say gucci gang yeah and i just said that as the widest i possibly could <laughs> and i apologize uh gucci I, I sound gang. like alex Tre- i sound like alex trebek when he does when he did the rap thing which jeff, is jeff, amazing jeff. if you jeff, have jeff, you seen jeff. but have jeff. you seen the 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 uh alex trebek clip of him being like of him reading off yes. rap lyrics <laughs> it's amazing started from the bottom now we hear Started from the bottom. Now the whole team here. That's exactly what he sounds like. Gucci, and that's what I just Gucci, did. Gucci, 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 yeah, Gucci, exactly. Gucci. Yeah, but like it's basically like you know someone can just say those two words for an entire like you know verse, and like that's like oh that's a verse, right? Yeah. And yet you know you but like on the flip side of that, you have people like you know Tupac or uh, I mean like I know that he's not necessarily end all end all, but like Eminem is one of the most like wordy rappers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, that's kind of what I'm getting is that this is a much more word based uh, form of music than yeah. I think any other music is. And again, with me not having as much of a foot in the door with this style of music, like with the origins of it, it seems like it's less like about making money and more of just telling a story. Yes, more of just I, I guess like also going towards folk music. Like the idea with that mm-hmm. is like it's also telling a story of more of an oral tradition. I guess like with rap yes. it's less of because it's so based in like our in mod well not like modern music technology because like they started with like records record players and such, but like it still has that like essence of authenticity, right? Absolutely. I mean that that's the whole Bob Dylan thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that's I mean I would say that right after rap, I mean I would say, you know, folk music obviously came before. Mm-hmm. Um, but like folk music is like, you know, if you listen to a lot of Bob Dylan stuff, like there's very little music happening, especially in the earlier stuff. You yeah. know, it's more of like, here's some words, but like I know that if I were to just talk out loud for ten minutes, you might kind of clear out, you know. But like, for instance, oh the times they are changing is like long as i'll get out and like our good friend dylan brockway is a yeah. you know is a very pl- oh my god prolific writer mm-hmm. um and like you know he does the same sort of thing i mean like he does have a little bit more music going on than uh bob dylan does I'd say much more but music. i mean <laughs> yeah well yeah definitely because uh, most people i would say most people in this world can sing better than bob dylan can but like that was one of the reasons why him going electric was such a big deal yeah because the the the, the one thing of the music that fit with that style mm-hmm. you know what i mean when he went electric it kind of changed the authenticity of, of the words he was giving um so do you want to talk about the next question then so my next question is so this comes no, wait, from the next question is, is me sorry oh, that's you okay yeah, yeah um okay so this question comes from holly chatfield flanagan um holly asks which comes first the market research to find a hole in the industry or the amazing product idea that gets wedged into the market? Oh. Now, that's a very good question, Holly. Um, but before we answer that, Alex, uh, would you like to give the obvious answer? Yeah, the egg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, now to get to the long answer, um, every successful uh, item that's out there, um, you know, whether it's, or, or, or program or whatever you want to, you know, look at, mm-hmm. um, is always created knowing that there is a problem. Um, and then the creation that you're looking at that, you know, that maybe that you're researching, um, is, uh, is the solution. Mm-hmm. So like a good example of that, um, would be 
uh, USB microphones, you yeah. know, so people who wanted to speak online were using internal microphones. And then in order to attach a microphone to your computer, you had to go through all sorts of wires and boxes. And then eventually people came out with the handy dandy USB microphone, where instead of an XLR cable, mm-hmm. it's just straight up. USB to micro USB. Yeah. And that's how, you know, we stay on contact through things like Discord or, you know, or um, uh, Google Hangouts or whatever. That's what Alex and I used to, to talk, you know, is these USB cool. microphones. So here's basically kind of where the answer comes in. So um, sometimes people do research to find a hole in the industry, and but that usually comes from someone saying, uh, sorry, it's, it doesn't come from someone saying, what can we innovate today? What can I fix today? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have people like, for example, um, uh, Elon Musk, right. Who is, you know, like looking at cars and looking at, you know, electric cars and he's, and he thinks to himself, like, there's still something flawed about this. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I can't quite figure out what that problem is. So then he went out and researched it and then he basically said, Okay, now I have the product that's going to fix these five issues that I find with electric cars. Um, now on the flip side of that, there are definitely people who have like, you know, in like the dead of night have sat up and gone, Oh my God, pot stickers, but you know, with, uh, chicken. Oh, fuck, I, yeah, well, with chicken. Yeah. Um, I, I just have pot stickers on the brain. I, uh, you know, let me, let's try this again. Um, okay. So someone, so, you know, the the flip side of this, right, mm-hmm. to the Elon Musk story, mm-hmm. is that you have Seth Prebatch sitting up in his bed at the age of 12 and going, oh, a company where people break and enter and, and they give gifts like Santa Baby. Um, you know, and that's the amazing product <laughs> idea that gets wedged into the market. See that callback? That was good. Yeah, good job. Um, so, you know, that's, the, that's the, the flip side of it. Um, it really is kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Um, I was because right. Basically. Um, because you know, basically, both of them can be can be valid. Yeah. Um. However, I would say that in a way, they're really just related to each other. Mm-hmm. I would say very rarely do people come up with amazing product ideas that get wedged into a market without realizing that there is an issue there to begin with. Without realizing there is a hole. Um. Sometimes you probably start to develop an idea without f- like knowing that you are unconsciously thinking of a problem. Yeah. But that's where, you know, uh what what's the quote? Um necessity is the mother of invention. Yes. And so that's that's the 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 best answer that I can give on that. Mm-hmm. Um so I hope that answers your question, Holly. Um if not, I will take your comments off the air. Thank you. Yeah. Alex, we have some pretty big news. It's a boy. <laughs> no, but that's a good guess, Alex. All right. Uh, I think it's time that we hit them with all the info on those cool, cool new shows that we're uh, adding to the Scavengers Network. That's right. In the last episode, we talked about us creating a podcast network. Well, that moment has arrived. Starting in January of 2018, each of these shows will be officially joining us. Uh, and they're going to be present on our website, they'll be present on our Facebook feed, and they'll be all over the place. Basically, if it's a place that you can find us, you're going to find them. Um, and so they're all part of the fam now. Yeah. Um, so let's play in this space, right? And let's, let's play them all with space. that information. What do you oh, say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get things started with Academy Outcasts. Thomas is a film buff. Morgan is decidedly not. Each week, the two pick a movie Morgan has never seen. Let me start that over. Okay. Thomas is a film buff. Morgan is decidedly not. Each week, the two pick a movie Morgan has never seen to watch and review. It's a cinematic education from one friend to another. Their most recent episode has been on Beauty and the Beast in Pulp Fiction, so there's, they've certainly got a very dynamic range of topics. It's very fun to come and at a topic from two different sides, analyze, compare notes, etc., in order to gain... Um, help us all grow in... the 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 Man. And in, in, in order to help us all grow and a little more learn and become a little more learned in the film world, should I just start this whole thing over? I am so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Well, just just start from in order to. Okay. 
Let's see. It's very fun to come at a topic from two different sides to analyze, compare notes, etc. in order to help us all grow a little more learned in the film world. They have new episodes every other Wednesday. I'd also like to talk to you about another show joining us. You may recognize the show as one we've already talked about before. It's called State Your Case. So... I had to take a breath. State Your Case is a podcast that travels the United States of America talking to representatives from each and every state in, er- in an effort to create a newer, sleeker, more aerodynamic America by cutting out the states that aren't pulling the weight. Join us as we create America 2.0 while learning about the unique food, drink, culture, landmarks, history, and sometimes cryptozoology of each state. Listen to the Vermont slash New Hampshire episode one. It gets pretty buck wild. So where else will you learn that Rhode Island invented sideburns or the Colorado Park Service is so insane that they carved sides of the mountain, carved slides into the sides of the mountain, not sides into the slides of the mountain, because that would be dope. Uh, so, so Rhode Island is 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 the reason why I once had sideburns that made people like just hate everything about my face. Um, yeah. So, Colin. Yes. Who else is joining us here at the, on the Scavengers Network? Oh man, Alex. Alex, my friend, I cannot wait to tell you about these shows. All right, so um, send me on my way is a podcast that's all about self care. Um. Each episode, your host, Luna Brecky, sits down to talk to a different guest expert or guestpert in, uh, in the, in the layman term. Not layman. Mm-hmm. What's the word that I'm looking for? Business term. Yes. Uh, about a different facet of her life and make a plan to improve in that area. Uh, guest experts will return uh, a little while after each initial episode that they're in to check in and address any problems that may have popped up in that time. Uh, topics include things such as budgeting, healthy eating, time management, exercise, organization, you name it. Uh, Luna will also check in frequently with Angie, who will act as someone to hold her like semi-accountable, um, giving a chance to basically help process the plan and talk through how things have been going. Uh, this show is designed to help create a dialogue on like self-care. Um, and, uh, you know, this is, this note is, is for me, you know, it's especially, um, for, you know, marginalized groups of our generation that, you know, mm-hmm. she is also a part of, um, which is one of the main reasons why I think this show is so important because it's, it's helping give a voice for those communities within these conversations with experts. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like you very frequently, uh, see these conversations only with people that a lot of folks can't identify with. So she's, Certainly. you know, luckily someone who is, identify not identifiable what's was that the word i'm looking for she she can she's someone that people can identify as a voice of yeah yeah, yeah, can identify with i guess like as a more personal note so i i like this show because a few years ago i went through i I won't get into the details but i went through a pretty kind of rough spot and i i feel like this would have been a great resource for me so i actually 100 percent agree because um not at the exact same time, but, you know, we, I mean, obviously we've been friends for a long time, so we both know yeah. the trials and tribulations of Alex Taylor and Colin Parker. But I yes. mean, yeah, I wish that I had had a kind of show. Podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh man, that would be good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that, you know, that's something like this has a lot of topics that like I could have used mm-hmm. um, back during some of my especially unhealthier times in my life. Um, yeah. Cause that I, I coped with things in ways that really weren't healthy um but yeah so new episodes of send me on my way drop on mondays um and last but not least we have another monday show uh and that is uh a new show that we have called spooky spouses one sec one sec i don't think that made it to tape i don't know we'll see all right never mind i'll I'll just i'll do it we'll fix it in post yeah we'll fix it in post uh now i know what a lot of you are thinking out there which is colin you're a wuss and you can't deal with spooks and haunts uh Uh, well never fear everyone spooks uh spooks spook oh my god i cannot (laughs) speak spooky spouses is the most endearing spooking you'll ever encounter um, so Jordan and Lindsay Reed wanted to start a podcast about their love-hate relationship um, with most things paranormal adjacent, whether that's ghosts, possessions, cryptozoology, myths, hauntings, our weird neighbor, or their weird neighbor, other stories, you know, stuff like that. Um, no, Colin, it's our weird neighbor. We live together, oh, remember? Yeah, that's true. We're recording um, 
from right different now. rooms of the house. Yes. yes. Um, so there are far too many podcasts that romanticize the paranormal um, and, you know, validating every single story that's shared throughout the paranormal community and or worldwide. But they wanted to do something like a little different. Uh, they just discuss topics that they've yet to discuss with one another, which is, you know, like a similar format to shows like Sawbones or Wonderful, um, as well as talk about guest submissions that they have received. Um, a fun little fact is that they've also begun uh, traveling uh, nice. for the show. So they, they, their big plan is to take trips to places that have garnered a lot of attention for being haunted, creepy, Ooh. odd, etc. Um, which, hey, by the way, I know you guys are listening. So uh, actually, straight up, come down to New Orleans. Um, New Orleans is the birthplace of the original story of vampires in America. Um, also, we're the most haunted town in the entire United States, so definitely plenty yep. to check out there. Um, so their first trip recently was to Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Um, born and raised on a playground is where the Mothman Museum spends most of its days. Uh, and they interviewed the owner and author of the book Behind the Red Eyes, as well as a few community members uh, who have lived there for their entire lives. Um, and like I said earlier, they also like drop their new episodes every Monday. Nice. Um, and, uh, they also, speaking of the show recently, they had an episode all about how Tom DeLonge is now a crazy man. And mm -hmm. that episode spoke to my heart. Talk um, about angels and airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, these all sound incredible and I'm so excited for the beginning of 2018. I am as well. So welcome to the family. State your case. Send me on my way. Spooky spouses and Academy Outcasts. This is our Candlelight's gift to you, dear listeners. And here is where our notes say I'm supposed to go to sleep in order to wait for these gifts to be put under my podcast tree. What does a podcast tree look like? Uh, it's like a Christmas tree, but every ornament looks like a different podcast listening app. Uh-huh. Say well, goodnight. Goodnight, listeners. This question comes from Caden Klug, K-L-U-G-E. I am so sorry if I butchered your last name. Um, so they ask, so steady work with a company versus good work or steady gig work. Pros, cons, and analysis of the general topic. Interested because my boyfriend might have a full-time writing job in the works. Position usually gig work, leaving one full-time position at a law firm. Just interested in general, you can be get more specific with it. So mm -hmm. for a bit of background, so I'd mentioned that I work a couple jobs. So it's a, for me, it's a it's a bit of a mix of both gig and study work. So with the more gig side of things, like I, with the teaching through music store, that depends on how many students I have. Um, if I don't right. have many students, I don't get any money. I also work part-time yes. in university, which is, you know, if there's nothing going on, I don't get paid. And then also, I also substitute teach, which is that only happens when teachers are out. Along with that, I also get occasional wedding gigs, performing ceremonies. So if people aren't getting married, then I don't get paid. The most steady thing I actually do actually is dog walking. So shout out to Yogi for being such a good dog. Um, <laughs> so going, so let's start with the um, gig work. So some of the pros to gig work are that they usually pay a lot for a short amount of time. So mm -hmm. it, it's specialty work, and you are also usually creating something. It's also a great way to d develop a large network of contacts, which can then create more gigs in the future. So like with musicians, if you need someone for a gig, call it the person that you played with before, right? And right. going back to building community. Um, some of the cons of gig work include, well, it can be very spread far between. Going back to weddings, right. only when there are weddings. When a wedding season, when wedding season full swing, there can be out quite a bit, but stuff can right. change. I mean, if you exactly. aren't at the top of someone's list, then you probably won't see a lot of work. Um, yeah. It, they and you can also, sorry, okay, not ahead. to cut you off there, but I was going to say another problem with like gig work is that you know, sometimes you can end up losing a gig um, because, like, let's say you have that, that steady contact mm -hmm. that always calls you to do something. Yeah. And then one day you're like, well, I'm actually out of town that week, but this is someone that I've worked with before. Um, you know, this person is fantastic. Like, you know, give them a shout. They can fill in for that one week. But then sometimes that person then suddenly magically becomes the new top of the list person. Yeah, go figure. Um, which has happened to me in the past. And unfortunately, I have been the other person in that situation like i've been the person that was like oh well i'm not in town so give colin a call and then i got his gig for like the next five you know five times in a row yeah so i felt kind of bad but you know it, it's happens. just it's unfortunately just kind of what happens it's the circle of gigs okay um 
And they can also take a lot of unpaid labor. So like with, I guess, going back to being a musician, you need to practice and prepare the rep, but you aren't getting paid for the preparation. You're getting paid for the yes. performance. I guess like right. with writing, it's also like going through editing and this and this, but you're not getting paid for that. You're getting paid, unless it's like an hourly thing, you're getting paid for the actual product. Um, right. You usually also have to cover yourself like with insurance, liability and stuff. So like if you're working as an independent contractor, for example, you won't get workers comp benefits because you're, mm-hmm. you aren't an employee. Um, also, depending on the work, you might have to mix other gig work in, in with there as well. And you also need to be so on top of your schedule to prevent conflicts and no shows. And people don't like conflicts. So you need to be on top of that, like really, really on top of that. Right. Um, also, you know, just as a. Another side note, because mm-hmm. we talked recently about people kind of have the wrong idea about like copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhat related to that is you also need to be very careful when you are doing gig stuff uh, where you're creating something like Alex was talking about. Yeah. Because a lot of the times if you are taking a gig and you are, uh, you know, it, like there's, there's kind of two sides to this, right? Yeah. If you're a steady employee of a place and you create something mm-hmm. in the scope of your work, it does not belong to you. It belongs to who you work for yeah. because it's a part of the scope of your work. Now, if you work for a, you know, uh, a, let's say a um, financial company, but you create an app that is like about finding the nearest nachos to you, that app does not belong to your company because that's not in the scope of your work, right? Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, when you take gig work, make sure that you know what like what you are like signing on to do. And like if there's contracts and stuff like that, make sure you go over them because work for hire is a gig and work like, you know, works for hire are things where you would potentially create something and then the fu- the final product does not belong to you. Yeah. So, you know, make sure that like depending on what you want to do, like unless you're OK with that item belonging to someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. Then that's fine. That ties back to the the first question that you brought up. Actually, mm-hmm. now I think about it, Alex. Like a lot of songwriters have deals with record companies, and the songs that they write are work for hire agreements. Exactly. So yeah. they they no longer own those songs, and that's a lot of the times why you don't know who the ghostwriter is because it doesn't belong to them anymore. Yeah. So anyway, exactly. sorry. Can please continue though? No, but, but that but that's definitely a good point. Uh, so now let's move on to steady work. So with steady work. The it's usually consistent, hopefully pay, um, and you also get additional benefits such as workers' compensation, paid leave, and vacation leave. It can also be fulfilling, especially if you like what you're doing. And then um, you also usually don't need to layer so many other jobs on top of it, partly because it'll probably be taking up so much of your time. Um, right. Cons of steady work. So the pay may not be as much for in such a short amount of time. You need to put mm-hmm. hours into it to make a lot of from it. Um, it's also usually a pretty big commitment. I mean, you need to be present in some way to actually do the job. Um, if you don't like what you're doing, it can be very draining, and it can be hard to find time to do what you want to do, depending on how much time it takes up. So, dude, amen to that. Seriously. I used to work in the in the storefront of the music location that you teach lessons out of. Yeah. Um, and there was a point in time. I mean, like, I never was like in love with the job, but there was a point in time where I felt welcome. Mm-hmm. And there was a point in time where I felt completely like underappreciated. And like, once I started hating that job, boy, it was like nearly impossible to get work on anything else done. Oh, certainly. You know, even on my days off, because I was just like, I felt so emotionally drained from every other bit of work that I was doing full time there. Oh, of course. Well, and you get into a funk where it's like, well, the only time I've to, uh, the only time that I have to do that I to do the things that I want to do is when I'm not there. But then whenever I'm not there, I'm always worried about when I'm actually going to be going back. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. So this question comes from one Colin O'Brien uh, and where, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily know this guy, but he's probably got to be a good one because, I mean, his first name's Colin, you know, and he listens to Journey Under 30. Oh, hello. So, uh, actually, so, so as hello. a... Yes. As a, an aside to this, so in high school, I took uh, the music theory AP class, and my AP test was actually at your high school. And I think oh, really? he might have been the guy that was proctoring the exam. He absolutely was. Was he bald? <laughs> yes. Yep, that was him. What's up, O'Brien? <laughs> What's up? Um, so, <laughs> uh, so here, here's here's the first question: um, When using social media to market your program, what works better? A unified blast of information from all the associated staff and people followed by a couple of periodical similar blasts 
or a constant stream of a variety of info associated with said program. Uh, in parentheses, asking for a friend. So let me address this before I do the follow up real quick. Um, social media is like, is, is way tougher to answer this question for than it is for emails. Um, the reason being for this is that social media, things like, uh, like Facebook in particular, let's say you have 200 followers. Mm-hmm. Facebook, when you post something, only shares it with like 70% of those people. Yeah. Um, I think it's actually, I, it, it actually used to be much lower. I think it used to be like 50% or lower and they've recently been making some changes, but that's one of the reasons why you'll see a lot of the times, um, like it, let's say that you like, um, Santa baby, mm-hmm. I, I keep coming back to this. Sorry. But let's say that you like the company Santa baby, um, and you see every single one of their posts, every time they post something more than likely it's because they are paying to, to boost that post. Yeah. Um, usually you'll only see a, a, a post from a, a page that you like once, maybe twice a week mm-hmm. if they're posting like often, but you know, like a lot of the times if they're posting every other week, you might only see one of them, one Jeez. of those two posts. Um, it's, it's really, really bad. Um, that, things like it. Twitter are very easy to get lost because that it's a timeline only based thing. So unless someone is going out to your page to find it, they're going to miss it. Um, the answer though, to your question, um, for me is, I I would say at least for social media is a unified blast of information from everyone. Um, and then some periodical similar blasts, because there's a possibility that people will miss that, that, that similar blast. But if it's similar, it shouldn't totally matter. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you have a constant stream of a variety of information, there's a much larger chance that something that's vital could be missed. Certainly. Um, now on the flip side of that, getting emails is way more important than getting Facebook likes and Twitter follows and Instagram follows. Um, email lists are the most helpful thing because most of the time people will check those more often than they will anything else. I do realize that a lot of people delete stuff pretty quickly, but if it is from someone that they appreciate, then they will look at it. Yeah. Um, you know, like there are certain posts that I read every email from. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain, certain companies, I mean, or Certainly. certain groups. Um, and uh, especially if it's like a, a more personalized thing, which you can do based on like region and area, um, through companies like MailChimp, uh, MailChimp is fantastic. And like, they'll, they'll tell you, you know, kind of how many people are reading and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so the follow up question is when marketing for a program where kids take part, but typically parents pay the bill, do you focus marketing on what kids want to see? Or what the parents want to see. Again, asking for a question. Uh, asking for a friend. Fuck, I messed that. Asking a question for up. a friend. Asking a friend for a question. Um, so here is the answer to this one. Um, when you're marketing for a program, I would say it kind of depends on where, like, where this this marketing is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's on social media, definitely go more for the kids' uh, perspective. Because most of the time, I would say millennials, you know, kids uh, are going to be checking, are going to be checking, you know, Facebook and stuff like that more often. Those that damn millennials. Said, I know. Sorry. <laughs> but like the problem is that, you know, fourth graders are probably not going to see that. Um, so when you do things like emails or brochures, um, something that you're sending out to homes and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you kind of want it to be a little bit of both. Um you definitely want to have something that can be grabbing to anybody on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then immediately after that, you're going to want to have um, some vital information for parents. Um, and then kind of, I would say for like, for instance, like with brochures, I would sort of intersperse it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a little like something to get anyone's attention and then a little bit of information for the parents, then some cool stuff for the kids. Um, and you know, back and forth, back and forth, uh, because you want the kid to be able to look at it and go, Oh, but look, they also do this. Um, but then mm-hmm. you don't want the parent to go, yes, but how much does it cost? Yeah. Cause that's not on here. You know, you, uh, as much as we hate talking about pricing, the, th- the, the good thing is that if, if you are kind of finding a way to market to both, you know, doing mm-hmm. that like one on one off thing, what you're doing is, is you're getting the kids excited about it and the, and the good parents. Good parents will look at something like that and say, my kid really wants to do this, 
So at this point, it won't matter what other information they can give me. I know I got to get them to this. Obviously, there's always economic reasons why people can't do it. Yeah. But what I mean more of is that like there's a difference between saying we can't afford that like and like being empathetic about it, yeah. you know, to their student and saying, I'm sorry, it costs what? Hell no. Yeah. Like, I'm not giving that to you. You know what I mean? It's like when they when they dismiss dreams just because of the fact that, like, they don't want to basically work towards it themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and a lot of these programs offer scholarships. Uh, a lot of programs offer, you know, do this one thing. Like, you know, if you, you know, come in and help out with the teardown and the building of whatever, you know, we'll, you know, we'll take off X amount off, you know? Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's go on to the next thing. So uh, I, I do hope that that answers that question for you. Yeah. Um, you know, if it doesn't, obviously, you know, hit me up and we'll talk more about it. Okay, so this next question comes from Mr. Dylan Cuesta. Hey, Dylan. So Hey, Dylan. So here's a tricky one. Seeing as music and arts are incredibly subjective, what are your own personal lines for pretentiousness? Be it in music, film, etc. As someone who can listen to a 20-minute prog rock songs or watch a black and white movie made in the last three decades, my eyes do tend to roll when a movie gets overtly political with its storytelling, though things like the real-world footage and sound bites. Oh, through things like real-world footage and sound bites. Right. Essentially, when it's so on the nose with its message that it feels like I'm being talked down to. So that is a tough question. Thanks, Dylan. That is a tough question. So, um, yeah. So why don't you give me your opinion first? Yeah. So I'm approaching because I oh, go ahead. haven't prepared mine. Sorry. Oh, well, <laughs> thanks, Colin. So I've, I'm approaching this less from the perspective of the message and more of my own understanding of pretensionists. So my understanding of pretentiousness is trying to make something seem bigger than it is. Although in terms of art, it seems it would seem, well, the translation is making your art seem bigger than it is. But this brings up the question, though, of what makes a piece of art more important than other pieces of art? And is there an objective way to figure this out? So there is this is apparently possible with a retrospective approach, such as with art, art and music history. However, this does beg the question of whether or not those really paint an accurate picture of both art and music in those examples, because things can be left out or forgotten, and then you don't get the whole breadth of this led to this led to this led to this, as opposed to like, these are the only things that we know, and this is the only thing that we can say. So right. it makes me wonder why things would be considered pretentious in the first place. You know, what would make someone think something that they're either make someone seem like their art is more important or make someone perceive something as someone thinking that their art is more important. So I wonder if it could be the personality of the person making it, like someone calling themselves a genius and saying that their art is groundbreaking. So like, as we said, it, well, so for me, it's hard to, for me to believe that someone's art is more, is as important as someone says. So unless right. there are some other ways to figure out the significance of something besides waiting a hundred years and seeing how much of a splash it makes, it's hard for me to tell. So that's interesting because I kind of have an almost totally different idea on, on that, um, which is, I think is cool. Like, I Mm -hmm. think that's interesting, like where we kind of get this from. Uh, and I definitely get what you're saying. Like that's, that's a, that's an interesting way of looking at it because it's, it's not the way that I've looked at it before, Mm -hmm. but when you say that I can totally see it. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, I've always felt like pretentiousness is always more of like when someone looks down on the things that you like. Mm -hmm. Because they don't think it's quite as good as the stuff that they're into. Okay. So it is still a little bit more of like building up their thing, mm-hmm. right? But it's, it's you know, it's like when someone thinks that they know more than you about it, right? Yeah. Um, and so I totally get what he's saying about like, you know, when some things get overly, you know, messagey and preachy about the things, sometimes I'm like, yeah. And like the thing is that sometimes I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I get it. We can move on. Yep. <laughs> but sometimes what's interesting is that like on the flip side in recent society, there have been times where I'm like, I can sometimes appreciate that preachiness because I'm like, man, maybe this will actually get the message through to some people, yeah. you know, um, because sometimes I do think that you have to beat it over the head of some people. Um, Definitely. But I also get that you don't want that every time. Um Going to like the question about like music and film, like how do you combat that? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just a thing of like 
kind of know your own personal worth. Definitely. Because, um, like, for instance, the guy that I mentioned earlier that makes it very difficult to work with him, he always has to have the right answer, and he has to be the big man on campus. Yeah. Um, you know, for example, like, when I told you that he talked down to the women in our class we were trying to set up a, a piece of equipment that is very difficult to, to, to calibrate and get right. Mm-hmm. And he and this other boy in our class, Reese, um, the two of them got it probably about 80% of the way done correctly. Yeah. And then finally the teacher was like, all right, maybe let's let the girls try. Cause I was in the corner setting up a totally different piece of equipment myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then the girls tried, um, Rosa and Molly and they got it super close, like as close to as, as to 100% as you could probably get without being at 100%. Yeah. There was, it was just like a thing of like, it was like a millimeter off and there was no way to fix that part, you know? Yeah. But, you know, when I tried later to see if I could get at 100%, I was like, no, sorry. And I got it back to where they had it. Yeah. And he was, and Jake, oh, well, I wasn't going to try not to say his name, but whatever. Jake, the weird guy was like, oh, well, you know, that's where I had it. And I was like, no, that's where they had it. Yeah. I had to like show him. You know, but then the thing is, like, this is the same kid who in a class was talking about a film and uh, was talking about Valerian. Yeah. The movie that came out recently mm-hmm. and like, what? It, whatever, it was whatever. But like, he had to go on and on and he was like, oh, the mise-en-scene in that film was so good. Oh, there was so much mise-en-scene. And I was like, I like hey, buddy, I've got news for you. I've got news for you. Every fucking movie has a lot of mise-en-scene. <laughs> mise-en-scene is the arrangement of everything that appears in a frame that you see, right? Yeah. You know, whether that's the lighting, the actors, the this the scenery, the costuming, everything. That's the, the it's the same thing as like when you're looking at a stage because it comes from Fr- uh, French uh for I think it's like placement on on stage or something like that or or spacing on stage something like that. But like literally like it like the guy was like trying to say something without really saying anything. Yeah. Just trying to make himself look smart. Um, and then real quick on the matter of music, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of people who have like looked at me weirdly because I really like Blink 182. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I get it. Musically, talent wise, like I, you know, I would say Travis Barker is one of the best drummers of all time, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, Matt Skiba, Tom DeLong, Mark Hoppus. Not the greatest singers in the world, not the greatest guitar or bass players in the world. Um, and I totally get that Snarky Puppy musically could run circles around the band, per- most likely, yeah. with the exception of maybe Travis Barker, because again, the man's a fucking beast. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, it's not up to you to tell me what I get to enjoy. My whole thing about them is that, like, they're catchy, mm-hmm. they're fun. And, like, that's the thing. It's, it's fun music. Yeah. Like, I have a blast listening to it because, like, when I go to a show, it's like, I can jump up and down and scream and, you know, make the same jokes that they're making. Like, you know, it's like, it's all part of everything. Mm-hmm. So to combat pretentiousness, like I would say if it's, if you're asking about coming from yourself, I would just say, try not to yuck anybody's yums. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, like, but at the same time, know that like there are some yums out there that are definitely not classy. Like pedophilia or racism like those are things that like if someone's like well i really like this one scene from quentin tarantino where he has a white man say the n-word like a thousand times yeah that's not super great that's not cool like hey quentin cut that the fuck out man um but yeah you know but like that's what i'm saying like i would just say be cool for like a second if it comes to the you being pretentious to someone else Mm -hmm. um but if it's other people just like just know that, like, just because that's their opinion doesn't make them right. Um, and it can be obnoxious, but it's also very easy to just say, you know what, though? Yeah. That's my thing. That's my jam. And I, you know, I totally disagree with you, and I'm going to go on my merry way enjoying Blink-182. Yeah. Um, this is a fun question that I think, you know, will be a good thing for us to leave out on. Um, question. And, like, we'll we'll keep this really quick. I would say, like, give me, like, your best, like, one and ans- one-minute answer. Real quick, before I read this question, I would like to say a real quick shout out. I do not know who this person is, but there is one listener that we have that's in Dublin, or at least that's what the stats say. I mean, at the very least, they're in Ireland. And if you're our listener in Ireland, thank you for listening to every single episode we've put out so far. You're awesome. We love you. I had no idea that we already had international um, uh, reach, and that's pretty damn awesome, if you ask me. Feel free to add us. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Please, yeah, definitely do that. Hit hit us up on Twitter if you have it, because we'd love to 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 see what's yeah. up. All right, so here's our fun question for us to leave out on. Let's try and keep this lightning round esque. Uh, this one comes to us from Dustin Simmons, and another quick side note: Hey, buddy, I miss you, dude. All right, so Dustin says. How do you combat burnout? Even with things that you know you love, how do you stay motivated, you know, keep focused and just keep on keeping on? So what's your, what is your method for that, Alex? So this reminds me of the video I'd actually sent to you, Colin. So there's a channel I watch called Red Means Recording. It's a guy by the name of Jeremy Blake. A lot of like synthesized synth demos, videos, and he'll like make a song in 20 minutes and then he'll edit it, show the song at the end. And while he was working on his album, juvenile hyper object he posted a video about how to avoid burnout some of the steps included things like um keeping a clean space drinking water don't don't get stuck in the details of what you're working on and things like that so uh, at least for me one thing that i do to do to avoid burnout is what i I think I've mentioned this before. So lateral drift. So like work a bit on everything and see and find that everything is making progress. Now it may not, you may not make as much progress as say just pursuing one thing linearly, but it, but just the fact that you're diverting your attention to something else and you're not obsessing over one thing for an amount of time is a nice way to distance yourself from the thing you're working on and to get a Mm -hmm. fresh perspective on it. So. Absolutely. Um, so my, tips for how to avoid burnout. Um, this is going to sound very, very strange. Um, I, I think there's kind of two sides to mm-hmm. this. Um, my, my first piece of advice is always take a break. Yeah. Like even if it's something that you love and you know that you love it, sometimes you have to take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you right now that, um, I am thankful that I have next week's videos already edited because of the fact that I have spent so much time editing films for my classes that I am kind of edited out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I, I feel like I can't stare at a screen any longer. Like yeah. I'm not going to be spending any time in front of a screen over the next two days. So that's going to kind of help me take a break from, from just staring at it. Like I, cause I can feel how tired my eyes are, you know, yeah. sometimes you have to just take a step, take a breath. Um, things like Netflix or the Wii, mm-hmm will tell you frequently, like, hey, take a break, or are you still there? Because it's that idea of, like, stretch your legs, you know, get up, move around. Just, you know, feel free to move about the cabin and, you know, enjoy something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say is it's still sort of related, but, um, you know, uh, is reward yourself. Yes. Um, and that is, like, something that I learned from one very special musician called Andrew W.K., um, who I know that I get some shits for once again, sometimes for listening to, um, which I've never fully understood. But again, like if you want to talk about like rudimentary stuff, like very like standard chord rock and stuff like that. And it's most of it is about one topic mm-hmm. and that is partying. But the thing that you can't deny about Andrew WK is, is the energy that is in every single song that is in every single performance mm-hmm. and the idea of like, Hey, we should all just have a good time. Yeah. Um, and that day that I had listening to him during that Q&A changed my life. Um, I do think that I've had a bad tendency to be a little negative recently with like because of stress. But, you know, try to look for the positivity and everything. Um, yeah. But the lesson that he gave me that I want to pass on to you is you can start to feel that burnout crossover into other aspects of your life sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, just because if you're getting tired of this other thing, and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier, you start getting tired from your job and that makes you tired of doing other things and yada, yada, yada. So the thing that you want to do is, is then come up with a reward system for yourself and that'll kind of refresh you just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So like, if you tell yourself I'm out of toilet paper, I need to go to the grocery store to buy some, but if you keep putting it off and then you're like, uh Oh, I'm out. Then you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) you're in deep shit. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the thing is, is that like, if you tell yourself. I'm going to go to the store to get some, and when I do that, I'm going to get a Reese's cup, right? At that point, you're not looking forward to getting the toilet paper, but you are looking forward to that Reese's cup. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's th- those are the two pieces of advice that Alex and I have for you. Take a break. Take, take a breather. Um, vacations are nice. Vacations are useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, our good friend, yeah, Pat recently just did that himself. Like, was like, I love to draw, but like, I've got to take a step back for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I totally, totally commend that decision. Definitely. Um, and as always, reward yourself and have a good time. Yes. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Um, we got some really good questions Definitely. in there. Um, this is going to become a regular thing. I think we're going to try and do this every five episodes, um, to just to kind of, uh, break stuff up a little bit and to kind of get to, uh, some more interaction with our fans. Definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's a, like I said, I think that's a good spot to leave it. I totally agree. That was weird. I'm sorry. <laughs> Do you want to go to the outro part? Yes, we do. Okay, so please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network and be sure to keep an ear to the ground for to hear all the news on our new shows on the network. So you can find those videos uh, series that we have on YouTube um, and you can find all of these podcasts that we've mentioned in the Hi Moms uh, wherever you download your podcasts. Um and if you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at Colin M. Parker. And you can find me on Twitter at A-T-A-Y-L-0. Um, before we go, I uh, just wanted to say a quick happy holidays to you, Alex. Um, you know, this is this show has been one of the best things to happen this year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I know, has been very rough for a lot of people, yeah. and including us, mm-hmm. but this has been a really fucking great time. It has. I'm having the time of my life doing this show. I'm unbelievably happy that we're doing this. So I wanted to say a special happy holidays to you, and I will see you soon. Yeah. Personally. And I'm Ooh, very excited about that. Me too. Well, and same to you. And I'm, I'm I've been very happy to see the progress that you've made jumping back into school. I mean, I know like you step away from something for a certain amount of time and then you dive back into it, and I can I I know how intimidating and how scary that can feel but you've been doing a lot of really good work and i'm really happy to see how far you've been coming so oh thanks man i really appreciate that well uh from our family to yours thank you for joining us here on journey under 30 happy holidays and once again i am colin parker and i'm alex taylor i'll see you on the forbes listings my friend and i will see sugar plums dancing in my head The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind.